0: Welcome to Life Church. I'm Aaron Cole, the senior pastor. It's great to see you today. Hopefully, everybody's doing well. Doing good? Now, in full disclosure, I just want to let you know since it's summertime, I'm a little bit more relaxed, I, I forgot my belt at home. So, if I do a thing that I call double hitching, which is when I grab one here and here and I kind of pull them up, just kind of work with me, all right? So, <laughs> that's better than pants on the ground. Anyone remember that one? Yeah, man on that one. All right. So uh, it's good to see you. I hope you're doing well. Hope you're having a great fourth. Uh, I actually love preaching like in this time of the year because like the it's the the, the people that are here are the people that really want to be here. Can I get a witness? Amen. So I think God kind of shows up kind of special in those times. You know, Easter, Christmas, middle of fall, wintertime. There's nowhere else to go. Let it snow, let it snow. But this time when it's sunny and 75 and you're at church, wow, it is great, great, great to see you. And so I I do something too in the summer that I get to do that I don't get to do other times of the year. And that's what I kind of call preach out the overflow. So not only am I a shepherd, I am a sheep, if that makes sense. The Bible says that we as Christ followers are sheep. And so, and so my role as a pastor is a shepherding role, but before I'm a shepherd, I'm a sheep. And so I have to keep my own heart and, right, and life right before the Lord, uh, just like you do in personal devotion and, and, and uh, spiritual disciplines. And, uh, and at the same time, I'm also working to lead the church that God has, has called us to. And so one of the things that I do that I recommend is SOAP which is the not only for your body daily but 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 scripture observation application and prayer. And so this is kind of a daily just we're all kind of reading two chapters and and so that's the scripture and so what are we observing out of that then what's application uh and and then just kind of prayer. And so and and there are days where I will 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 um read, and literally I just put like, man, like I read it. That's it. So if you ever go like, there are days, man, do you ever read the Bible and you just don't feel like you got a whole lot out of it? Yep, right there on uh, June the 9th and the 10th. I don't know what was happening that day, but I read it and checked it off and just kind of went on. Uh, maybe I was in a hurry. I don't even know. I've, I've eaten and slept since then. Uh, but, but, the very, but the very couple of days later on the 23rd, you can just see, man, it was like one of those deals where like I really got a lot out of it. And, and the thing is, that's what I want to share with you today, was, uh, was on June the 23rd, I came across something in scripture, one of the passages that I love uh, very much, but I saw something I'd never seen before. And I just want to share that with you, if that's okay. And because this is one of the things I love about reading the Bible, is that the Bible is, it's, 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 it's a living, breathing, um, organic a uh, uh, life-filled document. It's not something that's static and dead, and a bunch of old dead guys wrote uh, down through the years, and we've got it. No, no, it's God's word to us. And so Paul will tell Timothy that it's applicable in every area of your life, and that it's alive, and that it works. And so when you read Scripture. What happens is, is that you can read the same passage. And sometimes it's like, you know, on the 9th and 10th of June, I didn't get a whole lot out of whatever we're reading that day. It just, for whatever reason, maybe, maybe my, maybe it's just one of those days I was really busy. Maybe it was one of those days it was just like, I just read it and I just kind of went on. But on the 22nd, the 23rd, when I'm reading about Matthew chapter 7 and Matthew chapter 8, I see something and a passage that I have read a gazillion times before, personally and professionally, as a sheep and as a shepherd, that just man it just hit me, it just it just downloaded, and, and so I want to share that because I, I think what well, I just think it's, I think it hits us as a Christ follower and, and, and about living the life. and so if you have your Bibles, if you turn with me to Matthew's Gospel chapter eight. Matthew chapter 8, that particular day on June 23rd it was we were chapter seven, chapter eight. I 'm going to be in both those chapters for a couple of minutes but I'm going to get to chapter eight in just a second, but chapter seven it concludes with what we know as what, what we call the Sermon on the Mount so it's the most exhaustive Sermon that Jesus teaches and preaches. The Beatitudes are there and, and he's talking about all kinds of, of issues of life and, and, and he's concluding this and, and, and this sermon and he's coming down off the mountain and, and in chapter 8, as soon as he finishes that, it picks it up, he's on his way to Capernaum, which was a seaside village, which many scholars and theologians believe Jesus actually resided there. So if you've ever said, hey, I think we need to go to the lake that's spiritual, so did Jesus. Amen. Can I get a witness? All right. So, so anyhow, so, so Jesus encounters in verse 5, it tells us uh, it, it, he encounters a centurion. Now, the centurion uh, is not the guy's name. It's actually his position. So Jerusalem, the Israelites, the Jews were under Roman occupancy even in Jerusalem. And so Rome, the Italians, ruled the, the, the face of the planet at that point in time. They were the number one empire in the world. And so, uh, so what's happening is, is these centurions, which would have been high-ranking uh, officials, um, leaders... Officers in the Roman army—they're they're over about a hundred men that they have underneath them. That's the word centurion. So it's the word we get the word century from in the Latin. And so, so, so he has men that are under his command and at his beckoning call. He also has—he's has, uh, also someone who would have been literate. I've been able to read orders and receive orders from his commanding officers when he's on the field uh, from, uh, and, and he would have been able to, to have, wherever he would have been in the known world, would have been able to, to dissect those orders and be able to implement whatever strategies needed to be, to be done. And um, actually, if you carried an American Express card, the, the logo, the icon for American Express is a centurion soldier. So that's who that is. Um. Maybe not the guy on the American Express card is this guy right here, but it's the same ideology. And, um, but it, what's important to understand is this is not a Jew, this is a Gentile. And Jesus has been talking to, Jesus' ministry almost entirely is to the Jews. There would have been a very hostile relationship between the centurion being a Gentile, a non-Jew, and between Israel. Because again, Israel, are, they're not a free state Matter of fact, many even of the disciples, um, they are, they're thinking that Jesus is going to set up the kingdom in a physical manner, so he's gonna overthrow Rome. And Jesus has to keep telling them over and over and over again, that's not what I came to do. And so there's not a a love relationship with the centurion. There's more of a, this is someone that we have to deal with. This is someone that's, that we're under occupancy with. This is someone that's outside of us. This is an outsider. This isn't a guy that eats what we eat and drinks what we drink and goes where we go. They would have looked down, the Jews, the, the disciples would have looked down upon the centurion because, because, you know, the Jewish men of that day would pray every day, God, thank you that I'm not a, a dog or a woman or a Gentile. That's what the men would pray. Don't mean to be mean, but that was, that was part of the, the orthodoxy. And so there was this hierarchy and these men really were, were very much thought that they were all of that. And, and so there would have been this disdain upon this particular individual, this centurion. The centurion then is not raised in, in a, in a um, monotheistic uh, uh, perspective in life because the, the, the Romans believed in many gods. Uh, much like Hinduism, there, there was, hey, Jesus is just another one of the gods that can be talked about or could be, could be lived for or could be served. It's not one God, a monotheistic theology, but a multi-deistic and theistic uh, theology, Greek mythology, so forth and so on. And so what happens in this particular situation is this centurion says to Jesus, as recorded in Matthew chapter 8, verse 5, I have a servant who is sick, and I need you to come and heal him. And and he says, if you will just say the word, you don't need to come to my house. You don't need to be there in the present. You, You just need to say the word. And if you'll say the word, he will be made whole. Because I, a centurion, am a man of authority. I'm also a man under authority. I say to this one, he goes and he goes. To this one, come and he comes. I get it. I understand how to live in authority and how to be under authority. And then Jesus stops And in verse 10 of Matthew chapter 8, I saw something I've never seen before that kind of leapt off the page. When Jesus heard this, he marveled and said to those who followed him, Truly I tell you, no one in Israel have I found such faith. With no one in Israel have I found such faith. So, you go, great, great, Aaron, I've read that a gazillion times before too. But look at this, he marveled. The only place in the New Testament where Jesus stops and he marvels at someone, that's the English Standard Version, the ESV, the, the NIV uh, says that he, he, was, he was astonished, that the King James says he was amazed. He, the only place where Jesus in all of his ministry that we have recorded, where he stops and looks at someone and goes, wow, that I have never seen faith like that before. I want everybody to stop and just, I want you to look at the faith of this individual. I, I, I want you to see the, the dedication. I want you to see the, 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 the purity. I, 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 want, I want you to see the, the focus. I want you to see all of Israel. This is a Roman, not an Israelite. This is a Gentile, not a Jew. Nowhere else have I ever seen. And he marvels at him. I, I thought to myself for a moment and I wrote it down. What would my life look like if Jesus marveled at my life? When Jesus sees me, is he astonished at my faith? Is he amazed at my faith? And you go, well, no, man, you're you're not a person in in Scripture. But the centurion, we don't even have his name. He's not a Jew. He's not a disciple. He's not Peter, James, and John. He's not part of the inner circle. He's not Abraham or Isaac or or Moses or David or or Joshua or or Caleb. He's no one in the Old Testament. He's just this Roman soldier, this officer in the Roman army that we don't even know his name, Jesus stops and marvels at. And it hit me, why does he marvel? What, 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 what is it that he stops everything? Preaching the greatest sermon that we have recorded, the Sermon on the Mount. He stops and he points, gets everyone's attention And he marvels at this man. And the Bible says right there in verse 10, because of his faith. Now that's interesting to me, because this isn't a Jew. We don't know that he has a faith in God, but he had a faith in Jesus, because he believed that Jesus could. He understood authority. He was a man of authority and a man under authority. We know he wasn't raised in the church. He wasn't raised in Judaism. We know there's an animosity between the Jews and between the Gentiles, between the Israelites and between the Romans, and, and yet he looks at his faith. And so, so then you begin to ask the question, well, what, what is faith? Now you're kind of getting to the circus inside of my mind right now, and I'm kind of writing all this stuff down. And faith is both a, a noun and a verb. It's a noun in that it's a belief in God. So when we say, do you have faith, as we took communion today, yeah, do, do you have faith? Faith. If you have faith in Jesus, then you're invited to come and have communion with us to take at the Lord's table, to take at the Lord's supper. So it's a belief, but it's not just a belief. It's also an action. It's, it's a verb. It's, it's a life that's built upon that belief. It's not just enough that I believe that Jesus is God. The Bible says even the demons in hell believe that and they tremble at his name. Oh my God, don't shut me, me down when I'm preaching good. But it's, it's that we confess with our mouth, action, of what we believe in our heart, that, 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 that Jesus is Lord, that God raised Jesus from the dead. That's how we're saved. So our faith doesn't just come from what we say, but it comes from how we live. And Jesus stops for just a moment and and, and he sees this centurion and he marvels at this man who is outside of Judaism because, again, Christianity had not yet started. That's what Jesus came to do and and, and was was outside a a, a monotheistic Jehovah God relationship like we see in the Old Testament. The the, the Roman soldier would have come from a multi-theistic, but he stops and he just marvels at him because of his faith. In all of Israel, not in all of Rome, but in all of Israel. Do you know how insulting that statement is to every Israelite that's hearing that? This man who's not one of you gets it better than any of you. This man that doesn't even speak your language gets it better than you. This man who doesn't even sacrifice and bring all that he's supposed to to God, doesn't go to the synagogue on the Sabbath, doesn't practice all these things. He has a faith that I marvel at that I've never seen in all of Israel. The key is not only in the power of the good news, the gospel, our faith, but it's in the life that's built upon that authority. And the centurion got this. See, all around Jesus, Jewish people understood faith and God as a belief. They understood it as a noun. But the centurion understood the power of not only the belief, the noun, but the action based upon the belief, the verb. He understood the power of that. So, the centurion's faith was, first of all, it was not a heritage of belief, but of action. It was not a heritage of belief, but of action. So, again, I've been raised in church all my life. I mean, I, I don't know a day where we didn't go to church on Sunday, And when I was growing up, man, there was church Sunday morning. There was church Sunday night. uh, There was a prayer meeting on on a Monday night, right? There was some kind of rehearsal on Tuesday night. Then you had youth group on Wednesday night. Then you need to get to Thursday night just so you didn't go to hell. Amen. You know what I'm talking about? You got to go to football on Friday night. Thank God for Friday night lights. And and then Saturday night, there was another prayer meeting because you had to get ready for church on Sunday. I mean, I was raised in church all my life. I mean, I'm born into this. I get this. I understand this. My children have been raised in this. They get this. But that's not enough. There's no one that was born into the faith. There's no one that was born into this that Jesus marvels at because this faith, this belief was not something that was of heritage, was not something that he was born with, was not something that this centurion was raised with, but rather it was something he understood and became to know. I think sometimes in church and sometimes in following Jesus, I can think that because I was raised in this and I was around this and I have a doctorate in theology that I know enough, the truth of the matter is, is maybe God's not marveled at my faith at all because it's way more of a noun than it is a verb in my life. And it may be that Teen Challenge student that comes in that's truly believing that Jesus is the way, the truth, and life, and that no one does come to the Father but through the Son, and that the yoke is easy and the burden is light, and he's casting his cares upon the Lord, and he's allowing God to do a work in his life, and the redemptive, reincarnational power of of, of who Jesus is, is changing and transforming his life, because he's not just verbalizing, but he's living it in a way that maybe God marvels at him, even though he's only six months in the faith, way more than me, who's 47. As I begin to read that, I go, I don't know that I have a faith that Jesus would marvel at. Do you? I don't know if Jesus looked at my my, my belief system, but my action upon that belief system. Do I really believe that He is everything the Bible says that He is? Do I really live my life that way? Do I really believe that I can't outgive God, that I can't outserve God, that, 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 that God is way bigger than my problems? Do I really believe that He is the, the, the same today, yesterday, and forever? Do I really believe that I overcome by the blood that Jesus Christ shed on Calvary's cross and the word of my testimony? Do I really lean so heavily on God's word that if it were to move, I would fall? If you looked at my checkbook, if you look at my daytimer, If you look at my communications, if you look at my email, if you look at my phone log, if you look at my life and where I spend my time, my talent and my treasure, does it really matter? Does it really something that Jesus would marvel at? Or is there someone else who's brand new in their faith who gets it way better than I do? Second thing is, is the Centurion's faith is based upon authority. This is what was different. Because Jesus was around a bunch of people who believed the noun. They believed faith. They believed that Jesus was God. They believed in Jehovah God. But, but, but the centurion puts that faith into action. It's not going to be on the screen, but you can look back in your Bible at verse 9. The centurion says, for I too have a man under authority and with soldiers under me. So I'm a man under authority and a man of authority. I say to one, go, and he goes. To another, come, and he comes. And to my servant, do this, and he does it. The centurion understood the authority structure, that there's one always who's in authority and there's one who's under authority. Now, everybody wants to be in authority. Nobody wants to be under authority. We live in a world where everybody wants to be in authority, but nobody wants to be under authority. But the centurion, when he comes to Jesus, he doesn't try to be in authority, even though the Romans... His people were ruling the Israelites. And the Romans, would look, sit at The Romans they, were look, they would look down upon the Jews. There was much disdain upon the Jewish people. They didn't esteem them. They, did, quite frankly, didn't really want to be there. If you've been to Capernaum and you've been to Rome, I'd much rather be in Rome than I would be in Capernaum. Just letting you know right now. First of all, the pizza's a whole lot better. Amen. And they mix meat and cheese together. I'm just going to say, right? For those of you that are going to go to Israel with me this next year, just be ready. I'm just telling you, you're gonna want that $35 bacon double cheeseburger in Jerusalem. And I'm telling you, you're gonna to have to have it. All right, so, but this he doesn't, this Roman citizen doesn't come to Jesus trying to be in authority. He comes directly under authority. Why? Because he understood Jesus to be the authority. How many times do I try to power up on God? Do I try to be the one in authority rather than under his authority? Do I argue with the Holy Spirit when he tells me to go, when he tells me to say something, when he tells me to slow down, when he tells me to... When was the last time in your business, in your life, in your career, that you got on your knees and just in a physical posture, out of of an internal reality, palms up God, whatever you want? Business is yours. Finances are yours. It's all yours. God, I know they're telling me to take this career move, but I'm not going to go unless I hear from you. I know they say, this is a great advancement, but I'm not going to go unless I hear from you. I know I got accepted to these five colleges, and and, and on paper they look great, but unless I hear your voice, Lord, I'm not going. Because I'm not a person in authority. I'm a person under authority. Because when you come to faith in Jesus Christ, you lose your rights. You, You understand that, right? I, my life is not my own. I no longer get to make those decisions. Jesus is surrounded with people that have a belief in God but have no action of authority in their life. And he doesn't marvel at them, but he marvels at one who understands who's in authority and who's under authority. My daughter who's 17 would say, that'd be period, no caps. That's how it works, right? That's the end of the sentence, man. The one under authority believes and acts upon the words and instructions of the one in authority. Jesus had just explained, what's interesting about this, Jesus had just explained this type of faith, this belief in action, this noun and verb relationship at the conclusion of the Sermon on the Mount. I'm gonna take you quickly right there to Matthew chapter seven. Just If you have your Bible, just turn back one page. Matthew chapter seven, verse 24 through 27. He's ending the Sermon on the Mount And it's the parable, which a parable is a story with meaning of the wise and the foolish builder. Look at verse 24. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does them, hears, they believe, acts, they do them, will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock when the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on the house, but it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them, belief, noun, no action, verb, will be like the foolish man who built his house on the sand. For the rains fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat against the house and it fell and it was, and great was the fall of it. Why? Because there was belief with no action. There was no one who was under the authority of who Jesus was. The one under authority, the the hearer, the noun, it puts them into action. The one in authority, which is Jesus, the the words of mine. He says, if you do this, you'll be wise. If If you don't, you'll be foolish. If you just believe, but you don't act, you're foolish. But if you believe and you do this, and I think a lot of times in church, we hear it and we say amen to it, but we don't do it. And we and, and even sometimes while I'm talking right now, well, that's okay, that's not what he's talking about. Yeah, whatever you think I'm not talking about, that's what I am talking about. Whatever you think God's not talking about, that's what he's talking about. Because we give ourselves these passes and these excuses. Why? Because we wanna be in authority rather than be under authority. And the only way to truly have faith that Jesus is gonna marvel at is quit trying to be in authority, but be under authority. And when you who are supposed to be under authority are not in authority, but you're under the authority of who Jesus is and you're under his authority, then when he asks you go, you have a life of action and you then will be just like the one who builds their house upon the rock. Why? Because when the rains come and and, and when the winds blow and when the water rises, you're still gonna be standing. Why? Because you don't just believe, but you live out the words. You act out the words. And, and, and because life's gonna happen, do you notice that, that, that the rain comes down and the waters rise and the winds blow both on the, on the wise and on the foolish? It's gonna happen. Economy's great right now, but it's gonna tank. And is that good news? I mean, I'm just telling you, right? For those of you people that are going, man, my 401k is producing really well. Just give it a little bit of time. That, that bull market will turn to a bear market. And, oh, what's going on? You know, Elizabeth, this is the big one. What am I going to do with this? Right? I mean, I mean, all of a sudden we get all why, wigged out. Why? Because it, the, the, the rains are going to come and the winds are going to blow and life's going to happen. Bad things are going to happen to good people. The enemy's gonna come in like a flood. The enemy's gonna come in. And just like Jesus says, Peter, he says to Peter, he says, Peter, uh, uh, the, the enemy's come and Satan's come and he's asked that I would sift you like wheat He wants to destroy you. There's some of you in this room. He wants to destroy you. He wants to sift you. And the winds are going to come. And they're going to blow. And the rains are going to fall. And and, and the waters and the floodwaters are going to rise. The question isn't, is that stuff going to happen? The question is, do you have a house and a life that's built upon action of faith because you are under the authority of what Jesus is? Or do you have a life that's just lip service to God that's belief but no action? It's interesting that Jesus just talked about that. And then he comes into Capernaum and wants to go, hey, Bueller, Bueller, anyone, anyone, this is what I'm talking about, guys. This is what I'm talking about. All you people up on the Mount, all you people that have been around listening to me, being in the church services, singing to the Lord, going to revival meeting, going to prayer meeting, all you good Christian people, you don't get it. And this dirty Roman Gentile gets it. Jesus doesn't marvel at you and I because we sit in church service. He doesn't marvel at you and I because we do all the holy things. He marvels at us when we take him at his word. What was that old hymn of the church? "'Tis so sweet to trust in Jesus just to take him at his word, just to rest upon his promise, just to know, thus says the Lord, Jesus, Jesus, how I trust him, how I proved him, or and or, I can sing all, I can go on and on and on, I won't. Jesus, Jesus, precious Jesus, oh, for grace, oh, for faith, oh, for strength to trust him more. And when Jesus was done talking and telling that parable, look at verse 28. And when Jesus finished these sayings, the crowds were astonished. They marveled. They were amazed. Exact same word in the original language. At his teaching, for he taught with one who had authority. That's interesting to me. Again, this is all coming out of my little morning soap. I'm, I'm, I don't spend this much time on it. I'm just saying it's just, but this is what's going on inside the crazy brain of mine. And they marveled. They were amazed. They were astonished at Jesus because he taught with authority. And it hit me. Notice this. If you want to be a man, if you want to be a woman, if you want to be a person that humanity, that mankind will marvel at, will be amazed by, will be astonished with, then speak of your faith with authority. They were amazed, not at what Jesus had done, but what he was saying. And sometimes as a pastor, as Christians, this is the deal. This is where we really camp out. I just want people to be a little bit amazed. I want to preach a message that they kind of get it. And and I want to be at a, I want to just open it up where they kind of go, wow, and they're astonished. But if you want to be a person, if you want to be a man, if you want to be a woman that God will marvel at, that Jesus will be amazed by, that Jesus will stop everything else and what he's doing and be astonished with, then live out the faith under his authority. And it hit me. I don't know that I'm living a life that Jesus would stop. If I encountered Jesus in Capernaum, that he would stop. Shut everything down and tell all of you to stop and look at me. Because I think a lot of times my faith is more about my belief than it is about my action. And I think there are times as a pastor, as a shepherd, that that's a great word, pastor, that's a great message. Man, what anointing, man, what insight, man, whatever. You speak with one with authority Way to go. That's, oh man, that's a great word. That's awesome. That's great. But it's one thing to preach it. It's another thing to live it. It's a whole lot easier to preach this stuff than to live it. If I only preached what I did well, there would be only one to two sermons. They'd be very, very short. You would probably like it. But if we get old fast, we're going to talk about what we talked about last week because that's the only thing I'm doing right. Everything else I'm messing up on. But if I want to live a life that he has marveled at, then that's in my actions. Am I under his authority? Am I doing today what he asked me to do? Am I living my life the way he asked me to live my life? Am I trying to live my life for Him? I understand we all sin and we all fall short of the glory of God. There's none of us that are righteous, no, not one. But am I trying to be holy? Am I pursuing holiness in my life? Am I pursuing to be like Jesus? Am I I trying to be around Him? Am am, 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 am Am I sitting at the feet of Jesus? Where am I? And that's my question for you today. Do you have a life that others would look and be astonished because you know some scripture and you, you, you know your walk and you got a couple of verses and you, you look like you have it all together? Or do you have a life that Jesus would marvel at, that he would be astonished by, that he would stop in the center of town and be amazed, not because of your words of belief, but because of your actions of your faith? That's what I want. And I'm just telling you, when I got done with that little deal right there, I was sitting outside and uh, I know, I, mean, I, I was sitting outside and, and I uh, just said, God, forgive me. And help me to live a life that you're marveled by. That became an aspiration. Is that bad? No, 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 no. Because I'm not looking for man's applause. I'm not looking for, for your, your whatever. It, I'm, I'm looking for him. Because there's coming a day where he's going to look at what I've done in my life. He's going to look at what you've done in your life. It's the, 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 the judgment. And, and, and I'm going to stand before him. And, and I, I know I'm going to heaven because my heart's right with him. But, but everything that I've done, and not just what I've done, but the reasons why I did it and the motivation of my heart will all be tried before him. And on that day, I hope that he marvels at my faith. I hope that he marvels at your faith. Because again, we're just like the centurion, man. We're we're sinners in need of a savior. But the difference isn't in my purity. The difference isn't in my heritage. The difference isn't in my perfection. The difference is in the action that I live upon the belief that's in my heart. How about you? Do you live a life that Jesus would marvel at? If not, is that something you aspire to? Is that something that you want to do? Then the key is to live under his authority and simply do what he says. And I love it. In verse 11, Jesus looks at the centurion and says, Go home, your servant's been healed. Many times the reason why we don't see God do miracle signs and wonders that we ask for in our life is because we don't operate in the divine authority in which he's asked us to. Not because we're not spiritual enough because the centurion wasn't spiritual enough. Not because we're not holy enough because the centurion wasn't holy. Not because we didn't come from the right pedigree or we don't have the right text or verse. It has nothing to do with that. It has to do with the very essence that we're walking in his divine authority and living life for the audience of one. That's the key. Father, I thank you today for your word. I thank you today for how I can read a passage of scripture and see something I've never seen before. And it can grab me in a way. It can convict me. It can mold me and shape me to be more like you. Lord, I just pray for all of us. I pray that we, our faith would go beyond lip service and would go beyond just what we say, but God, it would be something that we would live and our actions and everything that we do. I just pray, God, that you would just help us to to not just have a, a belief or a faith that's a noun, but God, that's a verb, that it's an action and that we're not just people that are of authority, but we're people that divinely live under your authority. God, that we live life palms up for the audience of one. Lord, may you be astonished. May you be amazed. May you marvel at us as you did the centurion because of our faith and our trust in you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.